Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. We believe that this message is going to open up the seals and cause you to have a deeper revelation into the Word of God that will make you see beyond the letters in the Word. Here is Dr. David. Hallelujah. Praise God. Okay, first we want to continue with our discussion on the issue of the rapture, John 14, uh, the last day prediction. This is going to be part number six, um, number seven rather, and then uh, rapture four, as it were. And we're still dealing with the text in John chapter 14, from verse 1 to 3 in particular. And um, I'm sure you're following the discussion, and that great the Lord is unveiling to us from this particular passage as com- contrary to the things we seem to believe and, and, and know before. I'm just praying that we, we humble ourselves sufficiently to receive what the Spirit is speaking to us at this moment. I know it's hard because we've been drinking on these uh, previous doctrines and teachings about the John 14 before. Uh, like I said, he said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house and many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you I go to prepare a place for you. Uh, we're going to drop to verse number three. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you may be also. So this is a statement that Jesus made. And we've been able to establish the fact that he said this because of the designment he made in the heart of the people that is he disciples in the upper room how that they were so much afraid and worried and disturbed because Jesus told them he was going to go to uh, Jerusalem he's going to be killed and one among them uh, which was Judas then was going to betray him and that's what led to the whole thing so he was trying to console them and comfort them and uh, give them an assurance of protection that they don't have to be afraid or worried that they are the only people who are suddenly, uh, as it were, to be Christians at that time. So the persecution is going to be hard on them. So we're just trying to tell them more people are going to come into this fold. And that's why we've been able to establish the issue of the, 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 the house having to be with the church. The house is the church. Have nothing to do with the physical building. All right. And like we asked in the previous broadcast as well. You can be putting so many houses in, I mean, so many mansions in a house that is not, uh, um, I mean, practicable. You can have many mansions in a house. You can have many houses in a mansion, in a mansion, if you will. But when you say mansion, they have many, many, many mansions in a house. I mean, that is just practical, impossible. So we do know that the Lord was saying of something else. Amen. All right. So here we go. Um, so far it's clear to us that the Father's house that Jesus was referring to was actually the church of the living God. Like we found in 1 Timothy 3 verse 15, Hebrew 3 1 to, 1 to 6, uh, especially uh, 1 Timothy 3 verse 15. Remember what, what Paul said? That if I tarry that you may know how to behave yourself in the house of God, which is the church, uh, the ground and the pillar of the truth. The church of the living God, the ground and the pillar of the truth. Amen. Alright, that's 1 Timothy 3 verse 15. So, now, 
what, what are the mansions in this house that he was referring to when he said in my father's house are many mansions we already seen that the mansion like we said I mean the the, 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 the father's house of the church that's already we've established now so the question is what are these mansions that he was referring to alright we're going to look at a few scriptures again Paul said first of all uh, in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 14 and that the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually designed. And that is very important for us to consider something. You know, here, uh, I think what Paul is saying here is, by secular education or just being religious, man cannot see beyond the letters of the world. As a mere academic exercise of theology in our human philosophy, cannot make one know God. In fact, Matthew 11:27, the Bible tells us precisely, God can only be known through the Son by revelation. God can only be known by revelation. You can study to know God. God is known by revelation. But I, I mean to say, even if you, even if you read in the Bible, except by revelation, you can understand what God is saying. The letter of the scripture said, the letter killeth by the spirit giveth life. And this is very important. Amen. So, what that really means is, you, you can really understand the language of Jesus precisely just reading the letters. And I think this is actually what has happened in Christendom. Because uh, unfortunately, as we know, 80% of Christendom approach God's language through the natural senses. They are finding it difficult to understand to understand who God is. As a result, they cannot understand this language because scripture says, as a matter of fact, how can they understand the voice of him who they do not know? John 10, 27, Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice, they know me, and the voice of stranger they will not follow. Is that okay? Right. So, this is one of the major reasons why a lot of people misunderstood the words of Jesus in John 14 verse number 2. For a physical building up in the sky, when he said, my father saw the many mansions. So the common understanding of where Jesus has or is going to build mansions in the father's house. And so, this is taken to mean that there is a physical building up in the sky. Of which to them uh, have been other construction, if I may use the word, for the past 2,000 years or more. Is that okay? Right. But thanks be to God, for now we know by His divine grace and through the leadership of the Spirit, that the Father's house is a people. The very family of God, the church of the living God, which Christ as the head, you know, of the body. Christ being the head of the body. He is the church of the living God. We're talking about the Father's house is the church of the living God and Christ is the head of this church. We say that again. Hebrew 3, 1 to 6, uh, 1 Timothy 3, verse 15, Colossians 1, verse 8, Ephesians 1, 22 to 23. You can take time to read all of that. Uh, we'll be able to see that Christ is the head of the church. Amen? And the church is the Father's house. And the Father's house as well, as a matter of fact, is His body. Amen. Now, consider the statement of Jesus. In my father's house are many mansions. So what would the mansions mean if the house is a family of God? Again, to start with, let me ask you this simple question that you can always and readily answer, I'm sure. No matter your level of understanding of the English language, 
of your level of understanding of English language is a simple question I want to ask. A mansion and a house, which is bigger? Evidently, you will say a mansion is bigger. So why do you imagine that Jesus is not intelligent enough to know that since a mansion is bigger, it cannot be found in a house? Praise the Lord. Not just a mansion, but many mansions. Many mansions in my father's house. You already said a mansion is bigger than a house. So why would Jesus imagine or be promising you many mansions in a house? It simply shows we do not understand what he meant when he made that statement. Because remember, he is the almighty God, the all-wise God. Right? You can't be so intelligent to know more than God. And if you can readily say a mansion is bigger than a house, I expect us to believe that Jesus himself knows the, the only science God knows very well that you cannot have many mansions in a house. Is that okay? Praise the Lord. So now, if he said in my father's house are many mansions, it simply means the mansion already there and it wasn't going there to prepare or build some for the disciples. That was actually a statement of fact. Look at it. In my father's house. It's like a reporter's speech. He was giving a report of what is already in existence. So there was not... The idea of he is going to build mansions was not... I mean, it can be found in his statement. Look at it again. In my father's house, how many mansions? If I tell you, in my house, I have five children, I have three children. I'm not saying I'm going back home or going somewhere to make those children. If I say my family... We are five. I'm just telling you the number of persons in my family. Is that okay? Right. So in my father's house, how many mansions? He's simply saying, these mansions are already in existence. Is it making sense? It's not promising you a mansion when he gets back to heaven. Or when he was promising or speaking to the disciple. It was not a promise that is going to heaven to build a mansions. There was nothing like that. We just misunderstood this language. We have a wrong focus because we have a wrong idea developed through wrong understanding of the statement of Jesus that have been there for years. Laid down foundation for years. We pick it up and we roll with it. We don't question the things we believe. So what then are the mansions in the Father's house? Now to do this, let's quickly compare different translations of the Bible based on this verse of scripture. We just want to compare a few scriptures on that. Now the King James says, In my Father's house are many mansions. Right? I think, I think this is where we have the problem because we are actually sticking with the language of the King James. But let's look at Revised Standard Version. What did he say? In my father's house are many rooms. Can you see that? The mansions equal rooms. Alright. Amplified translation. In my father's house there are many dwelling places. Homes. Amplified translation. Follow me. Then when you come to the Jerusalem Bible, 
He said, there are many rooms in my father's house. Hallelujah. They come to interlinear translation. In the house of my father, there are many abodes. In the house of my father, there are many abodes. That's interlinear translation of the Bible. So, this is again very simple. The word mansion does not mean a building in itself, but rather rooms or dwelling places within a house. Amen. Therefore, the statement of Jesus does not indicate that he was going up somewhere to build a mansion or mansions for people to stay when they die or get raptured to heaven. That is not the statement of Jesus. The fact is, the Father's house simply means the family of God. So what he meant to say to them was that in the family of God, his own church, there are many dwelling places, many rooms, or many abode, which actually includes you and I, different people, where God resides by his spirit. That's what he was trying to tell them. You are not alone. In the Father's house, which is the church, there are other people where God resides by his spirit. Or God is going to reside by his spirit because he have to say, I go and prepare a place for you. We're going to see that much later what the preparation was all about or is all about. So here we look at Ephesians 2 verse 19 to 22. And look at what it says. Now therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. Father's house. Father's house. Did you see that? Okay. And I built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. In whom all the building fitly framed together, grown it unto an holy temple in the Lord. In whom ye also are built together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. Did you get that? Right. In whom ye are also, you are also built together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. Look at the verse 22. Very well. It says we have been built as a habitation, a dwelling place, a residential place for God to live in. Can you see that? That's exactly what it's talking about. Therefore, but the word mansion does not mean a building in itself, but rather rooms or dwelling places within a house. So, what could these dwelling places or rooms mean? The dwelling places are simply the individuals that make up the family of God. This becomes clearer as we look at the meaning of the word mansion in the Greek. Which means money. The word mansion in the Greek is money. M-O-N-E. It means a stain that is resident. The act of the place, abode, mansion, dwelling place. It also means to stay in a given place. A state relationship or expectancy. It means to abide. It means to dwell. The word money. In my father's house are many mansions, meaning many dwelling places. Where he goes, stays or resides. Hallelujah. Now, Compare the statement of Jesus in John 14, 23, when Judas asked him this simple question. How is it that 
when thou manifest thyself unto us and not unto the world. Hallelujah. I want you to I want you to consider this. I want us to look at verse 23, but I think I will need to read it. Um, let's 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 read it from verse number 20. Now the Bible says, At that day you shall know that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, and I in you. Then verse 21. He that had my commandments and kept them, him it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved my Father, and I will love him, and will manifest myself to him. Judah said unto him, Lord, not his here. How is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us and not unto the world? Verse 23 Jesus answered and said unto him, If my love me, he keep my words, and my father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. Hallelujah. We make our abode with him. The word abode is the same word mansion. So you see, if we have a consistency of translation, chapter f- the, 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 the verse 2 ought to read, In my father's house are many abodes. You see? But the translations didn't do that. They used the word mansion in verse 2, and verse 23 they used the word abode. You see what I mean? So the translators actually are the one that really, really how uh, kind of confuse the, 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 the church if I may use the word but that is because we are not diligent enough to study what these people did what they really did was to pick whatever word they want at a particular time and fix it there having considered the full meaning of the word so the word mansion like we said this morning and talks about a dwelling place and about Amen Praise the Lord So Jesus promising here in verse 23 you keep my words, if you love me, you keep my words, and I am the Father, will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. Hallelujah. Now if you check this again, in the, there's another translations. It says, we will come to him and make our abode, special dwelling place with him. That's Amplified Translation. I'm talking of John 14:23 now, in the Amplified Translation. We will come to him and make our abode, make our home, bracket, abode, special dwelling place with him. Right? Okay. Philip Translation says, we will come to that man and make our home within him. Praise God. Our home within him. Amen? Right. Then, the New Century Version says, we will come to them and live in them. Hallelujah. So the word mansion actually means to live in, to dwell within, to have you as his resident. That's what he's talking about. Praise the Lord. And that's the same statement made by Paul when you look at the book of Second Corinthians 6 verse 16. For ye are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. And I will be their God. And they shall be my people. So if you look at it, you find when he said, I will dwell in them. It's another saying, I will make my abode in them. 
And the word abode, like we're saying, means what? Mansion. Can you see that? So now, the mansions are the individual temples in the Father's house. Praise the Lord. They are individual dwelling places in the Father's house. By implication, you and I are mansions within the church, the Father's house. Look at it again. You are a mansion, a dwelling place, an abode, a home, etc. Where God dwells by the Spirit as we abide by the teachings of Christ. Because you see, if you look at Second John verse 9, it says, Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ, have not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, yet both the Father and the Son. So as we abide in this doctrine, the things that he taught, the things that he, he preached, you know, in our chapter 1, verse 1, it talks about the things that Jesus began both to teach and preach, or the things which he began both to teach and, and preach and do. The things he began both to do and teach. You see, you, you need to understand what he's saying. What is it that he did? What is it that he taught? The things he began to do and teach. And if you understand something principally, you find that in Mark chapter 1 verse 14 to 15, what he began to teach actually was the kingdom of God. So when you're talking about abiding the doctrine of Christ, abiding the teachings of Christ, not just about Christ, but the thing which he taught. And we know essentially the things he taught was the kingdom of God. Therefore, you do not have to die to own a mansion. Rather, you have to live to manifest what a mansion stands for because God's home is now with His people. If you look at the Revelation 21 verse 3, look at this CAV translation. It simply says, God's home is now with His people. He will live with them. And they will be his own. Yes, God will make his home among his people. Revelation 21 verse number 3. Amen. Tabernacle of God is now with men. That's what he's saying. He's making people his mansion, his harbor, his dwelling place, his home. Jesus in earthly ministry made it abundantly clear that he was a house of God. When he went into the physical temple with a cord in his, in his hand, and drove away all that were buying and selling. Where would it demanded of him to show them a sign? He simply said, destroy this temple in three days and I will raise it up. John 2 verse 19. And in verse 22 the Bible says, he spake of the temple of his body. Did you get that? Destroy this temple in three days, build it, I will raise it up. And he was speaking of the temple of his body. So, what what are we saying here? The temple is actually people. It's a people. It's not talking of a physical building. Where God resides. In fact, scripture said it expressly. God dwelling not with temple made with his hands. Hallelujah. Amen. Meaning, he was not talking of a literal temple as a house of God, but of his own body. For it has pleased the Father that all divine fullness the sum total of divine perfection, powers and attributes should dwell in him, that is Jesus, permanently. Colossians 1 verse 19. Did you get that? Scriptures, it has pleased the Father that all the divine fullness, 
sum total of divine perfection, powers and attributes should dwell in him, that is Jesus himself, permanently. Colossians 1 verse 19 from the Advent translation. Are you getting that? Right. Then if you read this, uh, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 19, King James Version said, For God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. Where was God? In Christ. Even so, we are the temple of God today on the earth with the same ministry of reconciliation. You find that in 2 Corinthians 5, 19 to 20. The same ministry that God had. God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. We have also received the ministry of reconciliation. In 2 Corinthians 5, 19 to 20, you find that. Praise the Lord. Meaning, God is within us working to reconcile creation back to himself. But above and beyond that, this temple is the church, the present glorified body of Christ. He is the head of his body, the church, Colossians 1.18, from the Amplified. And we be many are one bread and one body, for as the body is one and have many members, and all the members of that one body, being many are one body, so also is Christ, that is Christ's body. The church, 1 Corinthians 10, 17, 12:22. Now, these many members that make up this body of Christ are the many mansions. Hallelujah. Can you get that? In my father's house are many mansions. So what it means is in the church there are many people who are believers in which God resides to manifest his glory, to reveal himself. Praise the living God. Again we see that this was not a promise of a physical building by Jesus for you to inherit when you get raptured to heaven. No, no. It's simply talking about the church with many members. That's why there's many mansions. My father's house are many mansions. My father's house are many members, which is the church. Hallelujah. Okay, let's move on to the verse 2. My father says, many mansion, I go to prepare a place for you. What is that supposed to mean? I go to prepare a place for you. It's important we clean ourselves from all forms of the theology and traditions of men and follow the spirit of truth. For he is the greatest teacher of all things, as we find Second John, I mean the book of John 14, 16 to 20, 26. Then shall we be free indeed to serve our Father in spirit and in truth, for that is what God the Father is looking for, as we find in John 4, 23-24. It's important we clean ourselves from all of these things. In fact, we need to unlearn and relearn so many things that we already have uh, believed into. Why? Because they are very much contrary to the mind, the thought, the intents of God, for his church. Are we together? Praise the Lord. Okay. Now, we have seen that the rooms are in the Father's house and not in heaven, above. Does it make sense to you? In my Father's house, how many mansions? Did you say my Father's house? I mean, in heaven, there are many mansions. That's not what he said. Say, my Father's house are many mansions. Is that okay? Now, Nowhere in the Bible is heaven referred to as the Father's house. The Father's house is built in heaven, but it's not in heaven. Please know that again. 
Heaven was never mentioned in John 14 to have mansions, but the Father's house was. Hallelujah. Did you get that? The mansions were in the Father's house. The Bible didn't say the mansions are in heaven. It never said that. Praise the Lord. Now you're going to ask the question, okay? The mansions, they are in heaven. You're right. Because that's where God resides. You are the one giving that definition and it's very accurate. Hallelujah. If you understand what a mansion means and you say the mansion in heaven, beautiful. Amen. So, what is the preparation? That's what we're looking for. I'm going to prepare a place for you. John 14 verse 3. This is one of the phrases of Jesus so greatly misunderstood. One among the many phrases of Jesus that are misunderstood and recklessly applied. These have been taken to mean a heavenly, a heavenly place in the sky that Jesus was supposedly going to prepare for us to occupy someday when we vacate the earth. But the truth of the matter is this. Jesus has no such plan in mind. The place he intends to prepare is not located in heaven up above in the sky but actually you and this may surprise you so far we've been able to see that the father's house of the church and that the many mansions are what the many members of the body of Christ are you there all right praise the Lord okay now What now did Jesus mean by going and prepare a place for you? Let us first consider the meaning of the word prepare. The Greek word is hetoimazo, which means to prepare, to provide, to make ready. Now, what was Jesus going to prepare or make ready and for who? Think about that. Because that's what the, man, the word prepare means. The word prepare, hetoimazo, means to prepare, to provide, to make ready. So what is it that Jesus was going to prepare or make ready? Notice this part again. That this preparation has nothing to do with anything external. That is what is outside of man. The word used here is hetoimazo, contrary to Kataskioza or Kataskwaizo. Kataskwaizo. Now, Kataskwaizo means to prepare thoroughly or thoroughly, properly by external equipping. Now, I'm trying to give you something here. The difference between that which is prepared internally and that which is prepared externally. External preparation is Kataskwaizo. Eternal preparation is hetoimazo. Are you there with me? Alright. Now the word hetoimazo refers to eternal fitness. By implication, it means to construct, to create, to build. Again, you can look at Ephesians 2, 20-22. It means to make, means to ordain. John 15, 16. It means to prepare. Remember what Jesus said in John 15, 16? You've not chosen me, I've chosen you, and I've ordained you that you may bring forth fruit. Is that okay? Right. That is hetoimazo, a preparation. I've ordained you, I've prepared you. 
Praise the Lord. Now the English word fate, when he said to make fate, the verb translated verb means to make suitable, to qualify, to adapt, to adjust, to fashion to the appropriate size. The noun fitness means the state of the of being fit, sound bodily health. The question that follows: What went wrong in heaven, or the Father's house, that Jesus had to go and make ready? To get it adjusted, to adapt, to fashion, to appropriate size. What went wrong? It simply means something went wrong somewhere. It simply means the building got into a collapsed state. It simply means the father's house had a problem. Hallelujah. I mean, the mansions, they had issues. Jesus now need to fix for the habitation of God. Get it right. So, why the preparation? Evidently, the preparation and the purpose of this preparation is redemption. Nothing more. And to speak of redemption means something has gone wrong with a property or that is under enslavement to an authority and needs be redeemed. In just the same way we find the issue of preparation in connection with Moses when he sang the song of redemption in Exodus 15, verse number 2. Exodus 15, verse number 2, Moses said, The Lord is my strength and song, and is become my salvation. He is my God. And I will prepare him an habitation. My father and I will exalt him. Now here is the case of establishing the church in the wilderness as a priest and a prophet of God for God to inhabit. Can you see it now? When he said, I will prepare him an habitation, nothing more than making the church fit for God to dwell among his people. So you begin to see in the Old Testament, Moses, just like Jesus in the New Testament, prepared a house for God. And so in the New Testament, Jesus was to prepare a house for God. Is that making sense? Hallelujah. This is what we see here. It's all about redemption. Amen. Now, in redemption, as a result of this song, when you look at this song, which has the redemption for children of Israel from Egypt, in scripture, it's very clear that redemption involves certain things. Among which here, number one, God. Redemption involves God. Redemption is completely of God. Exodus 3 verse 7 and verse number 8 and John 3 verse 16. Because I love the word that he gave. Remember that? In, 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 in terms of redemption, God is involved. Number two factors in redemption, man is involved. God uses a man. It involves using a person. So, in the, in the Old Testament, God uses Moses, Exodus 2 verse 2. And in the New Testament, God uses Jesus, John 3, 16 and verse 17. Another major factor of redemption is blood. Blood is involved in redemption. So, in Exodus 12, 13, 23 and 27, you remember, blood is involved. And then, 
in the New Testament, First Peter three eighteen, blood is involved. Are you getting this? But the fourth thing involved in redemption is the power of God. So therefore, in Exodus chapter six verse six, and then thirteen verse fourteen, you see the power of God, the finger of God, doing the miraculous to get the people out of Egypt. And so you find the same thing in the book of Romans chapter eight verse number two. Amen. So these are the factors that are involved in redemption. Therefore now, the habitation therefore that Moses was to prepare for God was nothing more than his role as a priest in preparing the children of Israel as a peculiar people for God from amongst men in the world, in this case from Egypt. That is the church in the wilderness. Is that making sense? So, we see that the statement that God to prepare a place for you by Jesus speaking of the redemption of man from the power of sin. Jesus merely telling them, I will be going to the cross and then come to you, I mean come to your spirit man and by the spirit make you ready for God to inhabit again as his temple. Get this right. Jesus will merely, merely tell the people, I will be going to the cross and then I will come to your spirit man. And by the Spirit of God to make you ready for God to inhabit again as His temple. You got to understand it because man had to be redeemed from the sin situation. Through Adam, man lost this position, this, this, this relationship that he had with God. So now, man was sold into slavery. And so, if you look at Romans chapter 6 verse 16, Bible says, you know that you are slaves of anyone you obey. That new century version. I mean, century English version. You can be slave of sin and die, or you can be obedient slaves of God and be acceptable to Him. Notice that. Remember, Adam sold all humanity into slave. I mean, into, into sin, so we were all slaves to sin. Yet, man was supposed to be the dwelling place of God according to Second Corinthians 7 16. Remember that? What agreement are the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God, as God has said, I will dwell in them, I walk in them, and I will make our be their God, and they shall be my people. So then, the fallen man needs redemption. It was no longer in the position where God can reside in him or dwell in him. Are making his harbor. Are you getting the picture? Why? Because it's falling to sin through the fall of Adam. It was now a slave to sin. So, but man need now to be redeemed. And in the process of redeeming man, he's been made fit again, prepared again for the habitation of God through the Spirit as a redeemed creature. Hallelujah. So, as touching the promise made to Abraham for his sins, that through him all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Genesis 12 verse 7. And the Lord appeared unto him and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land, and they shall build him an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. And I want you to chapter 17 verse 4 and 5. Scriptures ask for me, Behold, my covenant is with thee. And thou shalt be a father of many nations. Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be Abraham, for the father of many nations have I made thee. Verse 6 says, And I will make thee fruitful, 
and I'll make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee. Verse 7 says, And I will establish my covenant between me and thee, and thy seed after thee in their generation for everlasting covenant to be a God unto thee, and to thy seed after thee. To thy seed after thee. Now, Paul now declared, Christ had redeemed us from the cause of the law. Be made a cause for us, for this reading causes everyone that hanged on a tree. Can you get that? Why? That a blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Father through faith. Promise of the Father, the Spirit through faith. Now, in Galatians 3.29, and now that we are Christ, we are the true descendants of Abraham, and of God's promise to him belong to us. All of God's promises to him belong to us. Galatians 3.29 Again, Romans 15 verse 8 from the verse and the version says, For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the second second size to show God's fruitfulness or truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarch and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. Romans 15 verse 8 Romans and the version. Therefore, the promises of God of the gospel is actually to open the eyes of men that we may receive a place and a portion. Thus, the many members of the body of Christ now who are consecrated and purified by the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Now, I would like to read this particular passage for you in the book of Acts chapter 26. Let's take a look at that. Acts 26, look at your verse 18. But you see, Paul was recounting his experience on the road to Damascus. Is that okay? All right. So, and, and so we read. Let's quickly take it from verse 15 then. And he says, And I said, Who are thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecuted. But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister, and a witness both of, of these things which thou hast seen, and of those things in which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people, and from the Gentiles, unto whom now I send thee. Verse 18. To open their eyes, follow this, and to turn them from darkness to light, and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins, and inheritance among them, which are sanctified by faith, that is in me. But if you look at it from the Amplified Translation, it simply says, to open the eyes that they may thus receive a place and a portion, that's inheritance, and those who are consecrated and purified by faith, that is in me, Christ Jesus. Did you get that? The word inheritance in King James is actually a place and a portion. And that is very important. So, we say that the place and portion 
in the above passage as seen from the Acts 26 verse 18 from the Amplified are directly connected to the covenant of promise by God to Abraham which Christ came to confirm and which must be realized on the earth. This is what Paul meant when he said Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ what blessed with all spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. But again, you need to say this in Acts chapter 3. And that's very important. I want to show you something here. Acts chapter number 3. I would like to read from verse number 24. Yea, and all the prophets from Samuel and those that follow after, as many as have spoken, have likewise foretold of this day. Now remember Peter speaking on the day of Pentecost. Ye are the children of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our father, saying unto Abraham, and in the seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed. Now look at verse 26. Very powerful. Unto you, that's the Jews, first God having raised up his son, Jesus sent him to bless you in turning every man, turning away every one of you from his iniquities. Turning you, turning you, you can you get that? Turning every one of you from his iniquity. That is primarily the blessing that you find in Galatians 3 verse 16. The blessing God said is going to bless Abraham's seed is to forgive their sins. That's the primary thing. And so when that is done, what's the next thing that happened? Like Paul was saying in Ephesians 1.3, we come to the place of sitting together with Christ in heavenly blesses in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. This is illustrated again to us from the story of the prodigal son. If you look at Luke 15, 11 to 32, it's an interesting story. Look at verse 12. He said, you know, because here, as a son, he asked for his portion as an heir. Right? Verse 12 said, Father, he said, Father, give me the portion of goods that fall to me. And he divided unto them his living. This is what it means to have a place or a portion in the father's house. Your sins are forgiven. And there is a portion that belongs to you. Hallelujah. So, the essence of the gospel is to open our eyes and turn us from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that we may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith that is in Christ Jesus. Acts chapter 26 again and verse 18 from the NIV. Did you get that? A portion, a place. The gospel is meant for you to locate your inheritance in the Father's house, the church. Just like each of the tribe of Israel had their portion, a place in Canaan through Moses' ministry executed by Joshua. Is that making sense to you? Right. When they got to Canaan, they had the land divided among the twelve tribes. They got a portion, they got a place. Even so, in the church, we have our inheritance. And so we find that we've been joined as with Christ. We are also sitting together with Him in the heavenly realms. 
that is a place of power and dominion like you find in Ephesians chapter 2 verse number 6 we are sitting together we plead with him in heavenly places heavenly places realms of life and dominion is that okay so you see it's not our going up to a location called heaven that will guarantee us the blessing or a portion in the in the covenant of Abraham but a union with Christ right here now on the earth again we see that this is what he came to establish it must be noted as well that a portion includes the gift of the spirit which the Holy Spirit distributes to each and every one of us as he wills and so you see 1 Corinthians 12 verse 7 to 11 and Ephesians 4 verse 11 remember you have the fivefold ministry all of these things are gifts these are portions these are places that we are supposed to be occupying even as we come back to the Father's house so when he said I go and prepare a place for you I want to make you I want to go get you ready for God to inhabit you but rather also that God will make use of you he said as an apostle, as a prophet, as a teacher, as an evangelist, as a pastor. That is a place you are occupying. That's a position you are occupying. That is a room, like a pashanda, that God himself is occupying. Are you getting that? Just like you have the gift of the Spirit. First Corinthians 7 to 11. Praise the Lord. Therefore, we can see that mankind was in enslavement to sin through Adam because of his fall. He was not qualified to abide in the Father's house forever. So the ultimate purpose of the preparation is that mankind may be liberated and readmitted back into the Father's house. Psalm 90 verse 1 to 3. It's important to read that so that you can understand again what the scripture says about this. Uh, the statement prophetically that David made in the book of Psalms, Psalm chapter 20, I mean, Psalm 90, let's look at it from verse 1 to 3. Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations, before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Thou turning man to destruction, and say, I return ye children of men. Can you see that? We have been in God, God has been in our dwelling place, but there is this turning down and then there is this returning back unto the Father. Praise the Lord. Hence the record says, as we have been with the Father, we are coming back to Him. So in Colossians chapter 1 verse 13, the Bible says, will be translated from the power of darkness, which is the realm of authority, into the kingdom, a place of His dear Son. Colossians 1 verse 13. Now I would like you to notice the difference here. Difference between the issue of power and the kingdom will be translated from the power of darkness. Now, power dictates reluctant captives, whereas kingdom cherishes willing subjects. Hallelujah. Power detains reluctant captives. You don't want to go, but power will keep you bound, just like the children of Israel were in captivity in, 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 in Egypt. But you see, when you come to the kingdom, we're talking about willing submission in obedience to the mind and dictates of God. So, kingdom cherishes willing subjects, but power detained reluctant captives. Are you there? Alright. So we are delivered from the power of darkness that want to keep us bound into the kingdom a place of his dear son. 
This readmission, which is the preparation, was accomplished through Jesus, that by which he destroyed him by how the power of death, that is the devil, and delivered them who through fear of death, the sin factor, were all their life and subject to bondage, slavery, I mean, as it were, in their mind and conscience. We will find in Hebrews 2, 14, 15 from the King James translation. So the Holy Spirit gave life that comes from Christ Jesus and will set us free from sin and death. Romans 8, verse number 2, the century English version. So, people of God, the preparation implied in John 14 is not in modern Jesus' crucifixion, the death, resurrection, and glorification, and then the release of the Holy Spirit. He established a kingdom of a holy people free from the power of sin. Act 26:18 again, in the fulfillment of the Molder prayer, which you find in March chapter 6, verse 10. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is done in heaven. Christ came to terminate the kingdom of darkness, Colossians 1.13, that was dominating the earth. Through his sacrifice on the cross, he redeemed us from the power of darkness and translated us or moved us into his own kingdom. This translation is not going to happen when we die or when he comes again in his supposed second coming. Rather, even now, we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved. Amen? By implication, therefore, God's life is being impacted in us to be manifested on the earth to the degree that it cannot be moved by the power of sin or otherwise. So there is an increase of his kingdom both in principle and in people to the point that at the end the word to those called out will be come your blessed of my father inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world mighty 25 verse 34 so again the preparation is simply Christ's sacrifice that we might be brought back to the father's house as son to inherit our inheritance as sons of the Father. It's not something that is going to take place tomorrow. It took place right from the day of Pentecost. When the Holy Spirit was poured out, God began to reside in man. When the power of God was released from on high, God began to reside in man. The very temple of God was built right from the day of Pentecost. The church the dwelling place of God. So the preparation, when Jesus said, I go and prepare a place for you, I am going up, or rather, I am going to the cross, die, resurrect, release the Holy Spirit, reconnect you back to God, make you fit for the habitation of God by the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit in you is God residing in you. That is why you are the mansion in the Father's house. You are the abode in the church. One of those dwelling places. So all of the brethren put together mix up the mansions. And all of the brethren put together mix up the church. So the many mansions are in the church. The many dwelling places are in the church. Which has to do with the Father's house. Is it making sense to you? 
Thank you so much for paying attention. And thank you, and I believe that God is helping you to unlearn and to relearn certain things that will definitely bring forth more of His glory and power to manifest through you as His tabernacle. God wants to dwell and manifest His glory through your life. Exactly the way Jesus was on the face of the earth, God intends to become same through, I mean, you and I, manifesting His glory. Remember Jesus what He said, if you don't believe me, believe the miracle that I'm doing, for it is not me that is doing the miracle. It has to do with God who resides in me, is the one doing the miracle. That is a testimony of Jesus. And that's exactly the position and the place that we're getting back into. That our life will be a life manifested of that God is going to be revealing himself through continuously as we continue to look unto him as he grows within us by the Spirit and through the Spirit. The preparation is finished. Jesus didn't promise you uh, 2,000 years to come to go get you a place ready that you are going to inherit. You are already a place inheriting the power and the glory of God as a dwelling place of God. He resides in you. Will you make yourself available so that God can truly make use of you? Will you open up those understanding to know that God resides within you and God wants to reveal himself through you? Just exactly the way he did it through Christ. Praise the living God. Thank you so much for paying attention and thank you for listening. The Lord bless you. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to Dr. David Ogaga. We know you have been blessed by this station. You can share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information, inquiries, and free downloads, please visit www.davidogaga.org or you can send us an email admin at gkai.net. God bless you.